you know the rules, and so do I. I've been uh, singing. I've been singing a lot more this season six. I... The people want to hear it. You're a bomb singer. Thank you. What do you think the people really want to hear you sing? It's got to be like some Marina Maybe. to like cold open the episode. If you're listening to this episode post release, you should like, comment, and subscribe, and post somewhere where we will see it. The Discord is the best place. What song you would like me to sing in some other episode, and I'll sing a bit of it. If it's a song I know, and it's not a song I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Very important. Yeah, those are two important things. They're gonna be like, Baby Shark! Don't have bad taste. (laughs) You don't have bad taste. Good taste only. Welcome to Bonus Experience. This is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games. And we are two queer people speaking with authority about games. And yes, we swear, die mad about it. Die so fucking mad. Holy shit. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love you guys. (laughs) I am your Polestar host, the pillar upon which this is founded. I am Monica. You know me. You love me. I'm in every episode. I've been in every episode since the beginning, and you're none of you are tired of me, and for that I'm very grateful. I am an industry professional, a developer, a designer, and an author. And I am here with MJ. Hi! Please introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are and what you're about. Hello! I am the little bird on Monica's shoulder, heckling and heralding. My name is MJ Monleon. I am also a designer, writer, and score of other things besides, and Monica's good buddy, which is why she has finally granted my long-standing request to come in here and terrorize all of you. We have been co-authors for a little while now, so. A little while. A little while now, I think. It was time. (laughs) Your time had come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... You, we wanted to sit down and hang out and kind of have a, a ongoing discussion about the concept of competitive design. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that you and I are pretty big into examining this in video games, but this is a tabletop podcast. So, but I also mm-hmm. think there's a fair overlap in competitive tabletop style games, which usually go, which usually fall under like card games, board games, and minis games, right? It's, you, R- RPGs so. are usually not competitive. Though yeah. I have played competitive D&D a while ago. It was a fourth edition. Oh. We, we literally held a D&D tournament in the style of classic old school D&D <laughs> tournament. Because D&D also used to be, have tournament right. modes, right? Like It was fourth edition, which was actually pretty good for this sort of thing. And you play competitive D&D by uh, you, you form a team, mm-hmm. you like build your characters together, and then the point is to survive the dungeon that everybody plays. And whoever sur- whoever gets through it the fastest with the least number of casualties wins. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's fascinating to me, honestly, because I think that's one axis of competition right there, mm-hmm. where it's you're not strictly within the confines of the game itself. You are not directly competing against other people. You are collaborating, and it becomes like sort of a, a team sport benchmark. It's like you got the PvP competition, or it's like, all right, loser, fight me meet to meet fighter and then you have the 
let us find progressively more and more deranged ways to break this scenario open mm-hmm. competition. And I, I think that's so interesting because within the context of trad games like D&D, Exalted, Pathfinder, and so on, I see so very little design that is explicitly about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think in part because of the fact that, you know, it's very easy for players to find some way to completely break something but there's no like leaderboards right Right. for like any percent tomb of horrors what's your best (laughs) ride i kind of wish there was now actually that'd be pretty cool that was that was an important part of classic dnd's design it was why the gms called a judge in a lot of old school modules and stuff Um, and like you know dnd has its roots in war games and the, mm-hmm. the, the literally the word campaign comes from the idea of playing an extended war game. She's this, fit in fact. Literally where we get that word from. <laughs> so like the concept of and that's, that is also, I think, where the, 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 the strain of adversarial DM DNA still lingers from. Right. Like right. we have we have we have turned our gray wolves into dogs pretty thoroughly. But like the, <laughs> some of that has not gone away. And. That's some of that is where that comes from because it was like the Tomb of Horrors literally was just Gygax being like, hey, "Fuck you, beaten too many of these dungeons. People are winning too much. I'm gonna make one mm-hmm. that's super hard and, right, un- and specifically unfair, right? Like, right. And then like a lot of the cultural zeitgeist forgot that and are mm-hmm. just like modules should be hard and missing the fact that like the point was to com- to be PVE, right? Like you mm-hmm. have your team, the environment is run by the GM, and it was you would compete as a team not against you it wasn't pvp was never part of it it was always about yeah. like completing the dungeon defeating the enemies winning the module or not because you know <laughs> i wonder though what it would just look like to see a more modern wholesale reconceptualization through the lens of um inter intra-community competition mm-hmm. in engaging the material i think we've all seen material that's more focused on the pv i think lancer is probably the biggest contemporary example of something that just takes pve as its goal for trad gaming and just goes absolutely apeshit with it mm-hmm. but even that i i don't you know there's no leaderboards for lancer they have some great memes but not quite that so i, I wonder what it might look like to try and design for that yeah. because there's a huge challenge in doing it. I, I agree. It would be fun to look at something like Lancer or like Gubat Banwa or what's the other mm-hmm. one? Strike. That's what it's called. There's like all uh-huh. these all these little like So the thing you could why you could do this with fourth edition was because fourth edition was supremely balanced in ways that made people very angry. Uh, sort of in the same way that people are really mad about a lot of Essence's balance changes. Oh boy, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we sure will. But Essence is not designed to be a competitive game, but you could maybe take the chassis of that and then turn it into that sort of thing, but it, that's a that's a whole other kettle of fish. But, like, mm. maybe look at the stuff that sort of took more direct inspiration from 4th edition and then take that framework and make it into a specific competitive game. Yeah. I think, thinking on this a little more, mm-hmm. what I think would make, what would be a key ingredient to the success of this kind of thing would be regular content to challenge people and i think that could potentially be some kind of um part of a business model because it's like if people are continuously looking for new things to break within this paradigm and it's like every three months or four months we got a new release mm-hmm. suddenly you just have a regular stream of shit right there you know you, you got money from that yeah 
It's like live balance. It's like however game these days is. You could like uh, this live service. So the other cool thing you just made me think of game live service and all that stuff. And like one of the big mm. one of the big struggles, right, with balancing a tabletop game is that it's very very hard to real time update a book someone already owns. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but in today's oh, day gosh. and age, a lot of that stuff is like tons of games are just PDF now. Like there's no physical book to buy. Mm. And if you if you wanted to do something like this and be on top of the regular update balance and design, maybe you just don't release book ever. Maybe it's only mm. ever PDF. Which, you know, yeah. PDFs can be printed and spiral bound and preserved or whatever, but if you're like, hey, I'm gonna consistently update this. Right. It's like you get to it's like you get to patch stuff out. I know we wanted to talk about this topic because we were very passionately discussing the idea of like competitive high level play how to balance that against casual play oh yes which is really more of a video game thing than a tabletop thing but like this is also a problem in magic i think it's also a big thing in warhammer it's definitely a big thing in the malifaux community which is mm -hmm. small as fuck but it's still a thing yeah. and like the philosophical question i guess that we were discussing, uh, uh, well, I'll just go right into it. Let's just talk about this yeah, for a minute. Let's go. Is that like your high tier competitive level players are such a small population of your mm -hmm. your player base that like, do you balance towards them? <laughs> uh, in in magic, maybe you do because there's literally a pro magic scene and those that's like right. people's livelihoods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do you do that for something like Malifaux, which only has like a couple thousand people playing in the whole world, right? It's, a, yeah. it's such a small fan base that like you probably know the names of all your high tier players because there's like 12 of them. <laughs> <laughs> all 12 of them. Yeah, like that was sort of the case in second edition when I was I was playing it competitively. Mm -hmm. I think that's become less of the case in third edition because COVID moved the competitive scene online. Yeah. So. There's this big community of competitive play that plays over Vassal, the free program that you and I played on a bunch of times. Pandora laughing that gift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like the big international tournament just moved online. And that's still a big group in that I think there's like maybe a hundred people in it. Mm -hmm. Which is a very which is very small compared to like the Overwatch competitive scene. Yeah. Or pick a video game right where there's literally paladins pa yeah paladins is also very small comparatively but like com in the in a video game sense but like paladins yeah. has tens of thousands of people this is true so let's go into our thoughts on like as the designer where do you pick your balance like and i guess i guess this also sort of ties in with some rpg design because i've had to sort of struggle with this with essence too not because of a competitive aspect but a difference between an experienced level player aspect and a basic level player aspect, right? Someone yeah. who really knows what they're doing versus someone who has no fucking clue. And, like, where do you make your choices to help who? I think that's a really good question. And with, with all of those types of questions, this is always going to be a calibration. There isn't a, a right answer. There's only various configurations that you can put things into which will accommodate or prioritize more things um over other things because you, you can't get everything for everyone in every way unless you design like multiple rule sets which i guess you could do but no one does that because it's impractical and also kind of feels bad as a fan and i think probably also as a developer mm -hmm. my thought 
as someone, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm kind of the obsessive type. I like to take something and stretch it out like putty between my fingers and see all the delightful ways I can break it. But the key there is that I like to be able to go from having an understanding where something feels at least moderately welcoming to me as a new player mm -hmm. to something that rewards my investment. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between balancing for the hypothetical murder munchkin, but I think there should be depth uh, and a degree of mastery reward to crunchier systems. I feel like without that, systems feel shallow and lacking in depth or staying power. And I think to bring it onto Essence, one of the great strengths of Exalted Historically and definitely Essence is that it really does reward you for learning how to breathe in the combat system a little bit and learning how to prioritize. And I think that if it didn't have that, it would be much lesser. And while I don't think Essence is balanced for like the most optimal, optimum, break it, Strict's solving approach to combat, I think that it feels really good to go from being a noob, I uh, attack the withering, to like <laughs> having your shit down, right? Yeah. And knowing when to make the withering attack versus build power versus uh, what have you, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's great because that was the goal. <laughs> like, my, like, <laughs> I have played so much fucking exalted that i know that like one i know that the games where it's just like we're gonna just try to ruin this as much as possible are wildly in the minority yeah people don't play like that people do play like <laughs> yeah. that but there's there's such a small number that they're like a statistical outlier right and they're noisy mm -hmm. about it on forums and it's like four people who do shit like this <laughs> most people use the game to tell a story and have fun and that is the vast majority of the audience and mm -hmm. like but you're right, there are those people who are just like, no, we're going to, to play this campaign, we're going to use the rules, we're going to get into it. That group of people who is the vast majority are also broken down between people who are very experienced and people who are brand fucking new. And since this was specifically supposed to be the on-ramp, it right. had to bridge the gap between those two people. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had to design things so that we had to do that specifically, right? It had to be not overwhelming to new people. Someone had to be able to look at it and go, all right, I get this. And and it had to be fully playable with someone whose understanding of the game is just like, I roll? Huh? <laughs> and also that had to be functional alongside someone who is like, I understand the tactical choice between making a build power action and making a withering attack and those two people mm -hmm. had to theoretically be able to play in the same game yeah in the same party in the same in this, yeah. whatever mm -hmm. i got a question for you yeah what do you feel about the concept of using essence for pvp between player characters this is right up there with people who were like dandy fourth edition isn't balanced around pvp and mm -hmm. it's just like yeah it's a party game right. it said so this is the same thing it is not there is no the core system balance is based around a group of people PvE, right? Like, mm -hmm. the storyteller uses the antagonists, which uses slightly different rules for everything. There's a reason. There's a reason for that, because they, <laughs> the player character's abilities are not meant to be used entirely on other player characters. Like, what does an NPC do with one of the question askers? 
Yeah. Wait, you, you're the GM. You already have all that info, mm. right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he'll just look soulfully into your eyes. Yeah, I guess. You got games on your phone? <laughs> and it is supposed to be asymmetrical. And like, if you are running like specific PvP or tournaments or like, we used to call them twink fights in the early 90s because <laughs> the word twink meant overpowered character. Oh, and and no. also sexy game like it, we mean met both of those things but that was a common parlance for oh, a term for someone who would make an op character on purpose i'm so distressed by this information i mean it did also have the gay meaning then too <laughs> just so you're aware but like that was a common parlance for that type of we call them munchkins now i guess yeah yeah that was a word that was 100 percent used I would host, I had hosted a bunch of forum games and 2E tournaments that were just like mm -hmm. OP character fights. Yeah. And uh, I think, I forget, I think the winner got like a drawing or something, or I wrote some, some fiction or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't use Essence for that. I just wouldn't. I mean, you can. Yeah. You can. I don't think it's bad for it. Yeah, like, you'll discover it's not made to do that. Yeah. But you might have fun. I'm not, I'm not your dad. I'm not going to tell you to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just. Like what I find more interesting than the ways that this is or is not accommodated in the system is the very impulse itself mm -hmm. and where that comes from and how that has been historically encouraged or discouraged. It's like, it's the action figure mentality of it, you know? Mm -hmm. You get a guy who's cool and I got a guy who's cool and we want to make him fight and go, you know, like, <laughs> just bash him together. No matter what, people are just going to want to do that. It seems like a pretty universal constant of tabletop systems that people are going to find a way to, like, let's make you and him fight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, like I said, it's not meant to do that, but you could. You could. I'm not going to stop you. I I'm going to stop them, actually. I'm, I'm running on all fours to their houses as we speak. Well, you know. Like Santa, except I'm going to take your computers. Well, you know, you know who to watch out for. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Back to the question of competitiveness, though. You know, maybe we just talk about the video game thing. Maybe we just get into it. Let's get into it. We have a shared background in competitive tabletop games quite as much to, to discuss that. Mm -hmm. So I actually I read, I don't know if this is true, but I read on Tumblr an Ooh. accurate source of information. Someone complaining about, like, the original Overwatch and how apparently regular Overwatch updates to balance were for casual players. Because that's the mass majority mm -hmm. of their audience, even though like Overwatch has a thriving pro scene. And like every time they'd make changes for casual players, it would just absolutely upend high level play. <laughs> <laughs> and then the they this is someone talking about like, oh, this is Blizzard fucked up, you know, retaining their audience in every way right, in classic yeah. Blizzard fashion, because they would balance towards casual players, but then they took away all the things that casual players really like. Like the comics, like the story modes, like... Or Mercy Alts. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, they were, like, the tie-ins, the toys and whatnot. Like, they stopped making things that casual fans liked, and so both alienated... and Successfully alienated both types of players. Right. So, uh, you know, as the designer of something with a huge base and, you know, two very different <laughs> approaches to play, because, like... I don't want to say people who play video games casually are bad, even though, you know, some people are, but like mm -hmm. people who play casually don't necessarily suck. They're just playing the game differently. Yeah. And like you can have an extremely skilled casual player like that person can be very good for someone who is not 
playing, trying to play, like, at a top tier. Mm-hmm. I play Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, yeah, talk about talk about that. Final Fantasy XIV, I think, does a relatively good job of um, accommodating for these things. I think in part because it has a degree of, like, variant. Mm -hmm. the, the content that it puts out is often scaled differently. There's default content, mm -hmm. your basic dungeons, which you have four people going through, your default trials, which you have eight people fighting. And then there's raids, which are, you have eight people also, but they go through like a, basically a gauntlet, mm -hmm. and you'll have um, 12 of these in a raid series. And each of these has versions that are more difficult. And because there's, I, I think they have a liberty that tabletop maybe doesn't necessarily, where they get to have different versions, but I also think because there's so often just two versions, mm -hmm. you get to have a very clear delineation of the culture and expectations. I've never been flamed out for dying a few times in, you know, Storm's Crown normal on 6.1, I want to say 6.2, which is a, a trial where you fight a harpy woman with the best hair you just you've ever seen in the world uh <laughs> but if i was doing storm's crown ex and i just kept dying over and over that would be a problem but i also wouldn't be doing it without a group that is explicitly here to try and clear this content what, what I, I guess what i think this really comes down to and what it does very well is it manages expectations yeah yeah i think i think it's like at least it's really important when you are playing with a group of other people to have your expectation be set like are we mm -hmm. playing this at the level that is considered serious or whatever or are we playing for fun yeah and that shared expectation needs to be the same among the entire group which gets progressively more difficult the bigger the group is <laughs> yeah uh, it was also like this also made me think of the last time we had a little paladins party and your buddy is her name actually lisa it's in the first half mm -hmm. her name okay you play Lisa, I was like, oh, let's play two tanks. And Lisa was like, you want to play the meta? And I was like, no, I just really like two tanks. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa's an old hand with Overwatch, actually. Yeah, She's, yeah. Um... I was like, no, 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 this has nothing to do with wanting to be good. This has everything to do with the fact that playing two tanks is fun. It's yeah. super fun, actually. Mm -hmm. I understand that it is, I, I guess it's good, but like any two tanks is fun to me. It is like, I know that yeah. there's probably a, a top tier perfect option, but I'm just like, let me point tank. Someone else tank with me to help. Like, <laughs> when you think about this in the context of tabletop, yeah, I let's think, think about it. like yeah. um, in uh, like uh, essence games. I, I ran a really long running campaign two of essence, and one of my player characters slowly over time morphed into just full invincible sword princess mm -hmm. mode, where she had a resting defense of like. I had a homebrew single point, and the fucker, the bitch herself, I say this with so much love, <laughs> she stacked the plus one defense from that charm with, like, having a shield regularly in full defense, and it, it just got to the point where I was like, if I don't have a dice pool of, like, 12, 13, 14 dice before accuracy, I will literally never hit her with any attack, and... This was entirely, like, in line with the system. If she had been taking basically any other martial art except for the single point that I had made as a homebrew, I would have been running into this. And so that just made me think of, like, I had no problem with this existing because I felt like 
I knew how to take the system math and amp it up, right? Because that that is the other thing sort of tying back into what we were discussing earlier and pursuing to even what we were talking about with video games. People just get better over time. You know, like the Final Fantasy XIV player base has gotten, and you see this with other games like League of Legends, has just gotten better over time. And by the time you get to people who are on the current content coming out this year, the past year, these people have cleared six patch paradigms, or five usually, of content. They know how to do this stuff, so they're looking for something that will challenge them. And the floor of expectations is like, if you threw a newbie who just finished A Realm Reborn into the 6.1 or 6.3 content, they just have their head fucking explode <laughs> or like their face melt like the Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, like it would just, ah! they're just not built for that yet. But once you have someone who's gone through the entirety of everything, yeah, they're good. And even in the League of Legends fan base, tricks that got acclaim at the time, mm-hmm. I was just like crazy mechanically intensive or, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Or, oh, that's so hard. That's just normal. <laughs> like it's truly insane to watch plays in League of Legends that were legendary ones, like, this is going to mean nothing to you, but at least in Alt-Flash to redirect someone with the kick, mm-hmm. or to insect someone, that's literally not even noteworthy anymore, except if you do it maybe particularly well. That is expected. Right. And I don't think that that has necessarily made the game any more inaccessible. Mm-hmm. I think it might have increased, like, um... The average skill floor to which a new player is expected to climb. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that that's necessarily an onboarding issue, if that makes sense. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm really hoping that if more Essence content happens, I would love, please, 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 oh my god, I will be a good girl. I will go to Temple every fucking week. Just <laughs> let me write. Like, 10,000 words of the most detailed combat chapter storytelling advice that you have ever fucking seen. I will tell people how to run every and any kind of combat. Storytellers vault that shit. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, yeah, no, I should. We'll do, I really we'll should. Like a, this, this, so you talking about Final Fantasy XIV kind of brings me back around to the first thing we talked about, which was competitive D&D, which goes all the way back to old school D&D. And, mm-hmm. like, the idea of a raid where it's like we have a group of people we've made our builds to deal with this specific thing we're kind of doing it on a time limit we have to overcome this gauntlet of challenges and we have to fight this boss at the end right like that is the same idea (laughs) as like the tomb of horrors right like the point is that it is hard the point is that we will maybe not make make it through the whole thing together and then you know if we clear it we win right but yeah uh, there's a, a lot of like we might not, right? The thing, <laughs> the big difference is that, like, you know, MMOs are computer games, and so a lot of that statistical whatevers and, like, the management of a huge mob or whatever becomes a lot easier <laughs> when a computer is doing that as opposed to one human being. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, like, I think the best balance changes both in... I'm I'm going to talk about Malifaux and Magic because they're things I'm familiar with, but also, like, in video games, like, I think the best changes are ones that resolve some issues that affect competitive level play. Mm-hmm. And when that issue is resolved, it does not adversely affect casual play at all. Hmm. Like, I think mostly about a couple patches ago, we were talking about a Paladin's change that made 
like one of Anara's things, slightly less good. And it made a bunch of the casual people really upset. But it was one of those things that in competitive <laughs> level play, her ability to basically like shit out point controlling environmental damage was super was this good. The walls? No, it's her little thumb. Oh, the her Roomba. <laughs> her, her little Roomba. Yeah, well it doesn't move, but like her little her little butt plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a butt plug. It does. A little, her, she puts down a little earthquake butt plug and it She's like so pulses brave. out out damage. Her little rock butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> and like apparently not the wall build is bad for competitive level play but the thumper really? build is good because you basically huh. chip damage everybody who wanders in there and i still lag kind of yeah. tight <laughs> and then they, they made i think that slightly <laughs> less good because it was overwhelmingly good at okay. top tier play and people were like oh man oh oh my guy and like oh. I, I think you want to avoid changes that make your casual players feel bad does that make sense yeah yeah that definitely makes yeah. sense because it's like I, I always think of um, Overwatch and like the just absolute fucking nightmare that was Mercy Alt, where she just blank revives someone. Mm -hmm. But also, that was really, really cool. And taking that away and clipping her flight feels really bad. Mm -hmm. And over time, Overwatch this was this was my biggest criticism, uh, aside from uh, the standardized meta, was that they would do bold, unique, mm -hmm. fun design. Right that was just fun to play out the box and then they would slowly chip things away and take away the toys essentially mm -hmm. that would leave characters more balanced for top end mm -hmm. but also just like take away the reason that you might have wanted to play the character in the first mm -hmm. place it's like if they made kasumi a hit scan or not a hit scan like a projectile character mm -hmm. and they just like rebalanced her to not have like uh, the I get line of sight, close range, I click on you a few and then, times, then you're I hit a button. <laughs> and that, yeah, and then acupuncture! Yep. <laughs> and they just made her into another normal shoot-shoot-bang-bang bang type person. I wouldn't complain that much, fuck yeah, you. I, I wouldn't complain that much but... if she required some accuracy, <laughs> that would be nice. Like, they did reduce, would, but... apparently, like, that was, so here's the other thing that I want to talk about really briefly, because the Kasumi point is important. Like, go, go, go. So, like, where do you sacrifice your intention for the sake of balance? Because the intention was that she had the little hit scan thing because she can't misfire or whatever, and she's supposed to play mm -hmm. weird and different, right? Like, they wanted her to be a different style of DPS character. They wanted her to, like, have her little traps. They wanted her to be scary. They wanted her to kind of, like, play like a vengeful ghost. That is the intention. That's the intention, right? Mm -hmm. That's the design goal. It was originally way too fucking good because her auto-hit cone was <laughs> massive. <laughs> oh god that it was disgusting oh my god and like i am a super casual player i think the game is really fun i think i'm a pretty good casual player but that's the level i'm playing mm -hmm. at and i am aware of that and that's okay i don't want to be super good it's really fun i like to play it while baked out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> like i want to play with my friends while i'm stoned on a weekend for like several hours and just like enjoy the team aspect of it right just this vibing. is a valid way to play, and I suspect that a lot of people are in the same boat as me. But, like, <laughs> she was so OP, I fucking noticed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. You don't want to introduce an element to your game, especially not a game like Magic or like Malifaux, where it's so overpowered that everybody goes, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a real failure state, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you want, you want stuff that's not going to upend your high-level play, and you want stuff that doesn't make your casual players feel bad. And you want stuff that isn't so OP, all your casual players go, hey, wait a minute. 
It's a balancing act. It's a difficult balancing act. That's what we wanted to talk about. One of the things... So I used to play League of Legends pretty religiously. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. Your Honor, League (laughs) of Legends, death. But (laughs) I, I also... I used to, and I still keep track of balance changes. Because I find it really interesting to just, like, keep track of all of the little levers. Because League of Legends has been for... 12, 13 years at this point, trying to keep a balance for people who play eight hours a day, serious face, and, you know, like professionally, and people who just want to hop on. One of the things about League of Legends is you get to see them try and walk varying degrees of successfully, Mm -hmm. that line of trying to balance for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that is a constant adjustment and sort of an impossible goal, but I think they do it better than basically anyone at Riot Games. And one of the things that you get to see about this is the various ways that they they measure player impact, character strength, and balance on the various little levers they use. Like, when I think of that Inaro thing, that's like, it does too much damage, so Mm -hmm. they nerfed the damage. Mm -hmm. But players are like, oh no, that feels bad. Mm -hmm. And Or new players are like that, and higher-end players are like, good. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, what if they, like had a a total nerf maybe but like they front loaded the damage so the first two pulses or the first few pulses of it do more damage so new players still don't like don't feel bad for using it but the i'm going to keep this thing on here for 12 seconds crazy control that you see for high-end players is not there anymore right right so the degree to which things impact the the variability the scaling of it is something front loaded or back loaded how interactive is it, mm-hmm. right? The What's the interactivity of it, I think, is one of the most potent levers. Because in, in the case of Inara's famous butt plug, you go girl trans icon. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it's like, if the damage is front loaded, that makes it a little less interactive. But it means that it's more reliable mm-hmm. for doing something, right? For doing anything like oh, I, I don't get to have this out for eight seconds because Betty, uh, break my neck, Betty, will um, <laughs> break it. Betty La Bomba will fire her demo grenades and she'll pop that shit before it can do its full DPS output. But you can guarantee varying degrees of it. Or like you can guarantee it more so if you front load the damage. And I think about that as a... Uh, a balancing tool a lot in the context of tabletop because I also write for third edition Exalted, which means I have had to become a master of finicky mechanics mm-hmm. and um, poisons and like environmental hazards are all standardized, right? Essentially, you'll have a rate of however much damage per interval. Usually that interval is per round mm-hmm. in combat, but it's also standardized for the purpose of tracking. And with video games, it's easier because you get the math offloaded to a machine, so it's mm-hmm. easier to say, okay, we're going to apportion this math such and such. We're going to front load it, we're going to back load it, we're going to shave five off every interval. But for the sake of mental load in Exalted, we would probably not do something where it's like, it does six damage on the first tick, that whatever poison, the gamer girl bath water of Kimberly would do <laughs> like i don't know uh 10 million damage dice per <laughs> per per round 
but it would not like diminish you know we would like just set a value and we're not going to make you keep track of the gamer girl bathwater losing its acidity as she melts her tier three subscribers right <laughs> um so that's a lever available to video games it's not necessarily available to tabletop because the biggest budget in any tabletop game is how many things can you reasonably make people keep track mm -hmm. of and this is theoretically mitigatable by providing online tools, mm -hmm. which I think is generally underutilized, but also is like, you can, you can only expect so much, you can only develop so much. Like, I think 3rd edition combat, as much as I love its finicky bullshit, would be like a million times better if we just had a dedicated program for running it and for doing calculations and that you could put inputs into and it would keep track of everything. Yeah. Also, it may not have been her butt plug. It may have been her ability to regenerate while she's on the point, but whatever. Oh. Either way, it still felt bad for casual players. Like, mm -hmm. it, both of those were like, oh man, that was like the, the reason I was playing her as a point tank, you know? I don't understand that Crystal's anal aura <laughs> is just so healing. It's rejuvenating. Play Paladins Champions of the Realm with me and MJ. We are a hoot. Yeah. It, uh, and it is um, gay. <laughs> it's so gay oh my god it is what the overwatch nightmare diversity calculator wishes it, it really could be is. in terms like, of like it really fucking actual is. diversity yeah. <laughs> are you tired of all your characters being white normatively phonogenic toothpicks <laughs> are you looking at tracer overwatch and thinking this bitch would like get chased out of any gay bar in my town and you want to see some real goddamn representation uh no hate to tracer except all the hate to tracer love hate but why have one is, one lesbian when you can have another one lesbian and a bunch of implied lesbians exactly and all the bisexuals and pansexuals sati paladins call me girl oh my god sati paladins ash paladins they need to just be like, they really need to come out and just be like, Ash is a lesbian. I'm so tired of seeing they straight just, Ash porn. It's true. We need Ash in the lumberjack outfit, like that one girl on TikTok who has the woodcutting yeah. sword in Canada. Yeah. Please just just, just please. give us a skin where you, her Fetus. flag is the lesbian flag and everything else is the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hire Monica yeah, right now, please. please. Uh, she can also be bi. That's okay. By, by uh, head cannons are allowed. She could be bi. But if, if, <laughs> if she's just saying if she's bi and you ship her with a man, you have to understand that she pegs him. It has to be a bi. It she can has be to bi. be a bi for bi uh, relationship. Has mm -hmm. to. No matter, no matter who it is, there's a, they're a little girl once Ash Paladin stands up <laughs> at six foot three over them. Uh, uh, I love her. I'm so very normal about Ashley W. Machine. Anyway, anyway. You're so normal. normal. So normal about this. I mean, who am I to criticize? Me and my knife, Borbo. <laughs> Maeve Paladins do ketamine with me. I think that's a good time to jump into the ending credits. BXP and the mid-episode break room are brought to you by the Misdirected Mark Network. Here's where you say bing. Bing! Thank you. <laughs> Become a BXP patron. Patrons get to chat with us directly. Special Discord roles. And, sometimes, exclusive hangouts. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month, and we really appreciate any money that you give us at all. It helps us continue to pay Margaret so that she doesn't invade us from the brunch dimension and cause all sorts of problems. If you would rather support BXP without Patreon, you can always go subscribe to us on Coffee instead, ko-fi.com slash bonus EXP, or you can just buy our stuff. If you go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag, we have a whole merch page where you can get t-shirts, you can get mugs, you can get stickers, you can get cool drawstring bags. We're actually probably going to 
be revamping some of that pretty soon. We've got all kinds of cool stuff there. We make money directly when you buy them, so please feel free to do so. And don't forget that BXP is sponsored by Nerdy Kepi. You can get all kinds of rad queer swag. We have a whole section of our own exclusive merch that is on that site. So if you go ahead and buy that from, from them, we get a cut of those proceeds. If you use code BXPCAST at checkout, you get 10% off and that never expires. You can always go back and get some more cool stuff. So like, if you went on there and were like, hey, I love this backpack. It's kind of expensive. I'll use the bonus experience code to get myself a nice discount. And then you're like, hey, I wanted to get these shoes, also kind of expensive. You can just use it again, and we get the money both times. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. Go right ahead and do so. And always remember that saying nice things is always free. Go ahead and leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google, on our YouTube page, which we have now. Uh, wherever, and help us get more listeners. All our episodes will be up on YouTube. Just look for Bonus Experience Podcast on YouTube, and we have playlists of all our we're working. I'm working on getting the rest of the back catalog up, but we have a bunch of the first couple seasons up, and this one will be going up as it is released. <sighs> All right. Whew. Okay. If you like bonus experience, you will also like Gnomecast. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. All right. MJ. Yeah. Uh, where can we find you on the internet? I used to be on Twitter, but now I exclusively terrorize people on Discord. Amborb, B-O-R-B, you can find me on the BXP Discord if you just want to say hi or ask me more pressing gamer girl bathwater questions. I'm not an expert, <laughs> but I'll do my best to answer whatever depraved inquiries you might have of me. I'm also on the biggest Exalted Fan Discord and the official OBB Discord. Don't be afraid to say hi. Excellent. If you want to see more of us, you can go to bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Bing! If you want to send us an email to ask what the fuck was up with the Gamer Girl Bathwater references, or to opine about design and competitive balance, you can send us an email to bonusexpcast at gmail.com. I do check it. I'm not great at responding, but I do check it. We also used to be on Twitter. I don't know how much longer that's lasting. Uh, we're also maybe working on getting a Tumblr set up. This is all very up in the air. But if you really want to find the show and you want to link it to your friends, we are on YouTube. You can find us at bxpcast.com, or you can go right to the Misdirected Mark Network and click on the bonus experience icon, and that'll take you to all of the episodes. If you want to chat with us and hang out, we have a Discord. There is an exclusive room for patrons, but the Discord itself is an open community. Come on in, hang out with us. You can go to tinyurl.com slash bxpdiscord, and that'll take us right there. I, as always, am your host. I'm Monica. You can find me online. I am dice-wizard on Tumblr. I am at Sun on Twitter, but I'm not using Twitter anymore, so you can follow me, but I ain't updating. That's it. Everybody get out. Get the fuck out. Gotta go. Always remember, change it if you want to. Bye! Do I have to do this? Oh, fine. Bonus Experience is written by Monica uh, and edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK and is used under the attribution non-commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Okay, there, I read it. Now, bye.